Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Where were you? Where were you when the sun came up on that gorgeous, picturesque late summer day? Where were you when the commute began, the horns honked, and the daylight broke? Where were you? Where were you when the terminal gates closed, the luggage was loaded, and runways cleared? Where were you when the coffee brewed, the early hellos exchanged, and the see you later hugs were given? Where were you? Where were you when the world stood still and fire rained? when the silence was broken and lives were changed forever? Where were you when hell was unleashed? When eyes looked to the skies, when eyes looked to the TVs, when eyes looked to their parents, and when eyes looked to the heavens for answers, where were you? Where were you when the people ran, the buildings fell, the rubble smoldered? When the country wept, hearts were broken, and heroes laid down their lives, where were you? Where were you when grief gave way to strength, when arms united, and resolve stood tall. Where were you when the flags unfurled, the songs were sung, and the candles lit? Thank you for joining us for a very special 9-11 anniversary edition, where we reflect, remember, and honor the fallen. September 11th, 2001. Where were you? Welcome back, everybody. This is Phil Schaff here with Phil Horner. We are officially kicking off season two of the Missing Chapter podcast. Uh, and what better way to do it, Phil, than to commemorate 9-11? Right. And it, you know, 20 years ago, obviously uh, a very important day in our nation's history and really world history. And like you said, what better way to start a new season for us than by sharing, remembering, honoring some of what we experienced personally that day, um, some stories and some numbers from that day and just really giving people an opportunity to stop, think, and continue that healing process. Yeah. And I do want to mention that that a lot of our episodes, we, we pre-record and then it gives us some time to edit and, and, and put it out to the, uh, to the masses, of course. But I, I want to mention that we're, we're doing this the day before 9-11 and we're teaching today um, in all of our classes in our auditorium. And we're, we're showing them a few very chilling videos because our seniors in high school right now um, were not born, you know. So we want to make sure, as teachers, as responsible adults, that this this never goes away. We we never want to forget uh, the feelings and emotions, and of course, the, the the history involved in 9/11. So I feel like that's that's part of the, our responsibility. And today, in this episode, um, we'll give you some things to look forward to for season two. And uh, we're also going to give you some some tidbits that that you and I had discovered through some of our research on 9-11, of course, in Missing Chapter podcast fashion. Right, Phil. And as we wrap up uh, season one, you know, there was 50 total episodes. 50 seemed to be, in re- reflecting here, the number. Because, kind of a magic number, yeah. You know, 50 episodes um, total in season one. We did end uh, season one having listeners in all 50 states, including Washington, D.C., and really, 50 international countries. That's exactly right. And yep. and that's that's amazing. If you had told us that October 3rd of last year, that that's where we would be today, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and, it's- and 
one of the other things I want to include here, Phil, it kind of piggybacks off of what you said, is really the caveat that um, there are some sensitive issues that we'll be discussing. I think it would be difficult to um, talk about 9-11 and do so properly without getting into some sensitive issues. But at the same time, if you are a younger listener or you have a younger listener, um, maybe encourage them to listen. And we start that process of asking questions and, and learning appropriately about this day and the impact that it's had in those 20 years and continues to, to ripple through our current events. Yeah, I mean, we, we're seeing it right now. I mean, you would never think that something that happened 20 years ago uh, would, would almost to the day um, be kind of unraveling before our very eyes. So it's, it's, it's beneficial for the, the kids to, to learn this right now firsthand because it, it gives them a direct tie to something that they had never experienced. So it's one thing when you teach students about World War II, but it's another thing completely when you're teaching them current events that, that relate back to history and the, the very things that we're teaching. So I, I think it's a, good, um, it's a good thing for the students to learn and hopefully keep the memory of, of 9-11 alive. Now, um, as we get into today's episode, of course, just like season one, every episode we talk about some coffee. So, Phil, what do we got here today? Well, we, we brew two special blends all right, intentionally today. And one of them, it's late summer. Uh, we're, we're kind of on the doorstep here of autumn. It certainly feels like fallout. And we decided to go with a pumpkin spice from Black Rifle Coffee. They're home-based out of uh, Utah and Nashville. We've had this coffee before and we've enjoyed it in the past. And one of the reasons we decided to brew that today specifically, Phil, is that they are a veteran-owned, veteran-run coffee house. Yeah. They employ veterans. It's 100% United States. They support one another and they support these men and women um, who go abroad and stay here at home to protect us. And I think that's very important. They make a great coffee. Mm -hmm. More importantly, they give us the freedom to do what we do every day Absolutely. and enjoy the families that we go home to, Phil. Totally agreed. And they, they have some great apparel too, because I, I couldn't pass up buying some of their hats and shirts. And it's just it, all around. It's just awesome. I love their mission. Agreed. Um, the, the second brew we have today, we went with the Utica Coffee Roasting Company, Utica Firehouse. Uh, if you've never never had this blend, it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's nutty, it's crisp, it's a medium roast. And what's really cool about this is that some of the proceeds uh, from Utica Coffee, uh, if you purchase this blend, is going to be donated to Believe 271. It offers support to volunteer or paid firemen that may develop job-related cancers. And here's a fun fact about the fire station that's pictured on the front of this, this, uh, this coffee bag. It's Station 7 in Utica, New York, and it's pictured um, right on the front of the bag, as I said, and it's, this is amazing, it's the busiest station in New York State, in the 34th busiest in the country. So, so shout out to Station 7 in Utica, New York, and thank you, Utica Coffee Roasting Company, for providing that for us. And really, Phil, thank you to all of our veterans, and, and thank you to the people who continue to serve in the military and our firefighters nationwide, because we have certain holidays, certain times during the year that, that we go out of our way or we should go out of our way to thank them. But what they do today is the same thing that they'll be doing tomorrow and next week and a year from now. Yes. And, and thank you, everyone. Um, it, it's really, it's not enough to say thank you, um, but hopefully you, you know that we appreciate the sacrifices that, that you make every day. And we just had a conversation before, before this recording um, as we're, we're showing some of our students some of these videos and, and talking and discussing about the events of 9-11, we had two, uh, actually three total um, recruiters uh, for the Army come in and, uh, and chat with us. And um, one had to leave, but the, the, the two that, that talked with us, we, we initially said, you know, thank you. We had the, an entire standing ovation to honor them. 
uh, for what they do because it's it's all volunteer. And and one of the stories we shared with them is that we want to make sure that our kids, you know, I have two young girls and Phil has two young boys. We want to make sure that our kids honor our veterans because as as the head of the household, as the male of the household, you feel a responsibility to to protect your children and your in your home in general. And I remind my girls every time we see a soldier, I said, hey, make sure you say thank you. And they always ask me, Daddy, why? And it's because Daddy doesn't have to go in. Daddy doesn't. Daddy can stay home and spend the entire summer with you and have fun with you because I'm not forced to go into the army. I'm not forced to go into the military or any any of the branches of the government or excuse me of the military because these guys are doing it voluntarily. Yeah, that's that, the key. That's the key. Yep. You know, so that's that's something very very powerful, and that's something we told our students today is that after 9/11, the lines were out the door to enlist, and that's just that is something so American. And very reminiscent of the Pearl Harbor comparison oh, that usually great, happens around 9-11 is that even the most hardcore of pacifists <laughs> after these two events were ready to take up arms and fight for what the country stands for yeah. and what the country became targeted for. Right. And that's the freedom of all individuals to live a life where they make decisions and, and are able to live those lives and be happy in whatever way um, they choose. Yeah. And there's there's something about 9-11 that was so obviously chilling, but it's it's something that you have mentioned to every single class that we've we've taught, even uh, prior to um, showing them some videos today, is that the 9-12 scenario, September 12th, seeing all of the, the flags uh, being hung outside, whether it's just stored in the closet or going out to purchase one. I mean, every single village, every single town, city, apartment, there were, there were American flags everywhere. And when you looked at the the rubble of people leaving uh, the Pentagon, people um, rushing out of out of the ground zero and being covered in that pyroclastic dust that was like this gray tannish dirt, everybody looked the same. And at, at that point, there was no liberal, there was no Democrat, there was no uh, you know Asian, there was no um, black, white. Didn't matter. Everybody was the same. And I I, I really think. That that might be, you know, what's missing in today's um, unifying existence as an American. I, I really just that was one of those things where I remember vividly, and every time 9/11 takes place, um, year after year, that's one thing that just I, I just can't get that out of me. And those terrorist attacks, they didn't discriminate, Phil. Right. That's true. You know, they didn't discriminate, and you know, kind of in that same sense, we tell kids when we talk about the Holocaust specifically because those events are are so. Um, hard to kind of understand how one person can do that to somebody else. And, and these acts of, of terror inflicted on other human beings are so hard to comprehend. And that's the case. But you can't talk about the Holocaust without talking about the acts of courage and bravery that were also on display during that time period. And you think of 9-11, it's the same thing. The people who willingly, whether it was on Flight 93, whether it were the, the men and women of um, the police and the firefighters, who as people rush down those stairs, Phil, were heading up. Right. You have to talk and you have to make sure that, yeah, these were buildings, but the lives that they that they contained and the people on these flights and working at the Pentagon, that's really what 9-11 comes down to, the human loss. That's exactly and right. And the people yep. who never got to see their families again and the people who stood up and said, listen, I'm going to make a sacrifice to save somebody else. That's got to be an equal part of the discussion as anything else. I think I, I totally agree. And you got to you got to think those numbers. Each twin tower 
Each one of those World Trade Center towers housed about 20,000 people. So I remember as a junior in high school looking at this uh, in Mr. Marathi's class in U.S. history in, in high school. And I'm, I'm, we've got we got talking like, hey, listen, uh, you know, we could see a, a loss of life in the 40,000s and as chilling as 3,000 people uh, lives lost, 3,000 lives lost is it could have been so much worse. And it, it goes right back to honoring the police and the firemen, the first responders that went up those stairs to get as many people out as possible. They did their job. And when you think of the, the cleanup that took place afterwards, too, you also have, as we've been mentioning in our classes today, more people have died from the cancers and, and illnesses from breathing in the, those, those fumes of trying to rescue people than actually died on 9-11. And that's, oh, my gosh, that's humbling. It and is. When you think of the, the the debris, I think this is a great segue into giving you some some maybe unknown facts about 9-11. The cleanup took 3.1 million hours. And the reason why, it's pretty obvious, is because of, of so much debris. There was 1.8 million tons of debris. And it, it was basically done uh, with a couple minor cleanups here uh, by May of 2002. Wow. That's just, I, that's, hard to, that's hard to imagine. I mean, I remember seeing the... We can still see pictures, obviously, of of what it looked like immediately after. And it's just like, where do you even begin? And the two I want to start uh, by sharing with you, Phil, really, after the attacks, it took firefighters 100 days, 100 days to extinguish all the fires around Ground Zero. Yeah. And, and in the process, this also stuck with me because these are very personal items. While workers were going through the debris, they found 65,000 items and included in that 65,000 items, 437 watches and 144 wedding rings. So if I can go back to how, you know, each, each life lost is, is someone who was nurtured and raised as a child, someone who had people who they loved. Those items, a watch and a wedding ring are very personal. And each one of those tells a story and represents a human life and somebody who had people who cared very much about them. Do you know what, you know what I thought of when you mentioned the wedding rings is when we experienced uh, the Holocaust museum mm -hmm. and we went into the, we went into the room that housed the shoes and not a single one was a pair and they were piled up and you knew every single one of them represented, you know, somebody. Right. And that, that was one of the most emotional experiences I've ever had at the museum and my gosh, I, I can't imagine being one of those people who are rescuing and finding these personal Right, items. And a great parallel, Phil, is that the, the, the people responsible for uh, creating and designing the Holocaust Memorial, Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. were actually given the task of doing that at the 9-11 Memorial and, and yep. at Ground Zero. So yeah. that's a great a, a nice too. parallel, too. Now, there were there were some people pulled from the rubble, which uh, is, is very hard to fathom. Uh, there were 12 survivors, excuse me, 12 survivors. The last survivor, and this is just remarkable, was pulled 23 hours, almost a full 24 hours, um, which is, is I, I don't know how you, I, I don't, how would you survive in the rubble for 23 hours and then finally pulled out? I, it's, and it's what a very, testament to the people looking. Right, exactly. Because that 23 up. hours, if, if they weren't working as, as quickly and as feverishly as we know they were, that 24th hour might have been the hour that counted the most. And, and you can you can see the looks on these firefighters' faces too because the, the, the firefighters that are diving in here, 
um, you remember seeing videos of, of the firefighters, the, the frustration on their faces, just like, listen, I, I am born, I am, I am gifted with this ability to save people and going into burning buildings and, and destruction to try to get people out and, and save their lives. But they couldn't because the, the rubble was so thick uh, and it was so hot down there and it was toxic. So the, the frustration, I just remember uh, my heart's breaking for them for so many reasons, but that being one of them. Phil, there have been several memorials for 9-11 erected around the world made out of rubble from the towers. We mentioned countries that have listened to our podcast in season one. Some locations that have 9-11 towers erected or excuse me, um, 9-11 memorials erected from remnants of the towers include Israel, Italy, and um, we know we have listeners from both of those countries. So, yep. so thank you to the, the people listening from those two countries and any other foreign country that we know of that, that has a memorial um, kind of uh, commemorating this day. But impressively, something that our listeners might not be aware of, a piece of the towers ended up uh, as a memorial with some space tools on Mars. So we <laughs> talk remarkable. about how you know the, the memory of 9-11 needs to be not just on anniversaries, 10 years, 20 years. But here, I mean, at some point when our scientists sent something to Mars, they said, you know what? We still remember 9-11. Yeah, that's remarkable. And we're going to include that in what we send up there. I, I think that's fascinating. That is. That's absolutely fascinating. It's some of the things that that happened during that day, that there's so much information, so much history. That it's very hard to put in maybe a 20-minute podcast what what you would want to focus on. I Just one of the things that I remember as a junior in high school is, is knowing that they grounded all planes. And that decision, of course, would, would eliminate any plane that's in the air, of course, would then be uh, hijacked uh, terrorist uh, organization taking over the plane. And it's interesting here to find out that the, the person who was, was told, hey, you need to ground all planes, the person who had to make the decision is a guy by the name of Ben Sliney. And it was his first day on the job. So imagine that, uh, having to make that decision and, and that being your first day on the job. It's incredible. And Phil, our neighbors to the north, for our Canadian listeners, Canada took in 255 diverted flights from the U.S. on 9-11. And upon receiving them, the Canadians fed the stranded passengers. They you know, yeah. gave them uh, places to stay. They, they didn't know how long these flights would be there. And I can remember specifically you know, my own personal experience, that was my first year as a teacher. It was the first year of a new high school, the new building. It was my first year as a teacher. That was one of the strangest, most eerie feelings was knowing that there was no, were no planes in the sky. I mean, yeah. you're so accustomed to looking up on a beautiful, like summer day, like, you know, September 11th, 2001 was, right. yeah. and seeing contrails and planes and jets. It's just, you're accustomed to it. But the not seeing that added just one more layer, one more element to the eeriness that you felt on that day. But certainly it was an American effort and the Canadians helped considerably with that. And you you have that that feeling of, well, listen, if they could attack our most highly secure building, it, technically in the world, the Pentagon, then my home isn't secure. Right. You know, my high school isn't secure. And th that sense of security was just kind of a given before 9-11-2001. So here we are post 9-11 and there's always a question of security in the back of your heads, at least for those of us that uh, experience this day. You know, I, I grew up in, around the Little Falls, New York area, and, and it, we have a lot of people who subscribe to our podcast that that know that we teach and live in upstate New York. I currently live in Utica, New York, and, and Phil, you live in Altamont, New York, and we teach in Kennedy, Harry, New York. So it's, it's all centrally located in, in uh, upstate New York. 
But, uh, you know, we're only three hours away from from New York City. And when people say, uh, oh, where are you from? And we say, oh, we're from New York. They automatically assume, you know, skyscrapers and subways when, in fact, it's farmland and and, uh, lots of rural areas. But I remember growing up in that rural area and saying, gosh, we have such a connection to, to New York City and to the towers because it's so close to us. And then you find out through some of the stories later on of how closely connected we, we truly were. So, for example, um, you know, I love taking taking a trip to uh, which is just down the road from where I live in, in uh, Utica, New York, to Rome, where the old um, Griffiths Air Force Base is. Now it's a it's a business park. There is still a, an airport there. But um we used to see flights in and out of that place, um, you know, huge B-29s and, and, and jets, and they still we still see some. But what's remarkable about that and that connection to 9-11 is that NORAD scrambled a few jets uh, to try to intercept some of these planes. And what's, what's incredible about that, the jets that were scrambled came out of the old Griffiths Air Force Base. And what we had just found out uh, before this episode aired is that, Phil, some of these, some of these pilots... They didn't have enough time to, to gear up. Right. And apparently the, the, the two pilots that you referenced out of Griffiths didn't have time to properly equip their um, their jets with the bombs that would or the missiles or whatever they were to to properly bring down um, this flight, Flight 93. So if that were the case, if they were to have gotten there uh, in time, these two pilots were ready to make the ultimate sacrifice and would essentially have had to sacrificed themselves and flown their jets into flight 93 in order to keep that from hitting its intended target. And and it's the irony of that is, and I know I keep using this word, so I apologize, but it is, it's chilling. You know, mm-hmm. it's to think that it, it started with someone taking over plane and driving and using the plane as a weapon. And then we were forced to do the very same thing if it came to that. Right. Um, it's just, and the it's fact hard to that those, those civilians, those passengers on flight 93 made that sacrifice even for those two pilots so that they didn't have to make that decision. That's exactly right. You know, and Phil, you brought up, I live in a, in a small uh, suburb of Albany, New York um, called Eltamont. In 2001, my, my now wife and I actually lived in downtown Albany. And one of the things I can, I can remember from my personal experience on that day is that the two planes that left uh, Boston that morning and eventually headed south and were responsible for hitting the two Twin Towers and and bringing those two down. Um, the last correspondence they had were with Albany International Airport in Albany. And, and that, that, that just has has stuck with me and resonated that connection of where I was that day with those direct events. It's one more added to a list um, that is it's what you carry with yourself every year on 9-11 and certainly on the 20 year anniversary of 9-11. And, and Phil, we've also, we've taken school trips down there. We've visited right, yeah. Ground Zero, which I've, I would highly recommend. And this this was prior to the museum opening. Just seeing the footprints of the two Twin Towers. Just seeing the memorial itself and seeing the Freedom Tower, which is now, you know, complete and fully erected. And, you know, going to Washington, D.C. together and seeing the Pentagon. Um it's powerful. And, and it would have been powerful prior to this day, but 9-11 just makes it that much more powerful. Yeah. And I, I really want to mention, too, that there was a video that, that uh, Phil, you mentioned before uh, the, the beginning of the week. And you said you got it. You have to watch the CBS Sunday morning episode on 9-11. And uh, we've been showing it to our classes today. It's it's remarkable. But one of the, the pieces of information that was really striking to me 
is how many states don't teach 9-11. So if you are, uh, you know, we, we represent, we have listeners from every state. If you're one of those teachers that uh, are in some of those states that don't teach 9-11, I encourage you, please continue that uh, process of teaching 9-11 to our students to um, really share the impact of what that means, not just historically, but but personally speaking for so many people that have had uh, their lives impacted from that. Right. And Phil, you know, we here we are. We're, we're starting season two. We're kicking that off with this very special episode. If you think back to episode one, one of our mission statements or a portion of our, our mission statement was the fact that, you know, what do we want to get out of this out of this podcast? We want people to very simply take a portion of their day. We know you're busy. We know that life gets hectic. Take a portion of your day to simply pour a cup of coffee, sit down, take a break, clear your mind, either be entertained by what we tell you and the story that we share with you, um, give some thought to it. And in this case, like you said, Phil, you know, we as educators, but we as adults and we as part of the generation that we are uh, um, blessed to be a part of it, we, we bear that responsibility to make sure that generations after us know what it was like and at least what we experienced. And if you'd like to get some help doing that, we would certainly encourage you to visit our website, themissingchapterpodcast.com. We've uh, connected some useful links there um, to help educate and, and you know share out 9-11 with children of all ages. And um, hopefully that would help. And certainly feel free to reach out to us, Phil. Yeah, if you any, have questions yep. or you know, as educators, as parents, um, we, we would certainly be more than willing to help. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the best things about about being a teacher is sharing information, and uh, it's one of the great things about this episode. We've had the opportunity to work with a few different uh, states and uh, some awesome people um, throughout the country. So please reach out to us, and uh, after the break, we'll share some things uh, that you could look forward to for season two. Thanks for listening to and supporting the Missing Chapter podcast. If it sounds like we're having fun and we enjoy bringing you a new episode every week, it's because we are. Not only are we having a good time, but as teachers, producing our own podcast has allowed us to connect with our students like never before. In fact, when people ask us where we got the idea to start our own podcast, we tell them our students. If you're an educator and would like the opportunity to create, produce, and maintain your very own podcast, go to our website, themissingchapterpodcast.com to learn how we can help make that happen for you. Don't be intimidated. It's easy and fun. Go to themissingchapterpodcast.com to schedule an informative and interactive webinar with us today so that you can get started on your own educational podcast for tomorrow. You'll have a great time doing it, and we'll get the opportunity to work with us directly. Your hosts for the Missing Chapter Podcast, Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. So, Phil, as excited as we were in season one, I think I'm equally as excited uh, for the beginning of season two. And, you know, we, we certainly don't want to mess too much or change too much with what our audience enjoys. But knowing you and knowing myself, I, I think you two, you and I are creatures of, well, we want to not get complacent. We want to get creative. So we are going to do some things that, that are different. You know, one being we're very excited. The question has always come up, especially amongst other educators. Are you going to incorporate your classes? Are you going to have any students share stories? And I can tell you we are. Um, and that's, to me, very exciting to get the students and young adults excited about podcasting and excited about history. You're certainly going to hear some examples of that. 
And we, we love the fact that uh, we now have um, some more people that are chiming in and, uh, and giving us some messages on Anchor, which is great because now we can include you, the listeners, uh, onto our podcast. So, so be aware and be ready. Uh, you might hear some, some different voices uh, welcoming us into to each episode. Um, one is a, a shout out to our, our guy, Chad, from uh, uh, the Michigan Educational Association. So thank you, Chad, for, for chiming in and working with you guys um, on the webinar. But uh, yeah, you, you have an opportunity to work with us on that realm as well. So that only takes a couple minutes. We have links um, on our Instagram page if you need to go there, or also the Missing Chapter Podcast anchor site uh, as well. So again, um, a very heartfelt thank you from Phil and I for listening and supporting us during uh, season one. And, and thank you for sticking with us for season two. And I can promise you, I can assure you, it's going to be just as good, if not better. We have a lot on tap for season two. And as we wrap up and conclude this very special 9-11 20th anniversary edition, this episode, um, just the, the emphasis on remembering the sacrifices and, and the people around us um, who obviously played a, an important role on that day in 2001, but also carrying the, their memories with us every other day of the calendar. And as you look at the loved ones and, and you say, you, you know, I love you to people in your family and friends around you uh, tonight and every other night, maybe, you know, Phil, hug, hug your girls a little bit tighter. And I think I'll be doing that as well. Yeah, when you when you think back to 9-11, the morning of 9-11 before this all took place, it was just a typical day. A typical day, a beautiful day, yep, a beautiful was, morning. So we're going to take our typical days and really appreciate them all the more. I think that's great advice. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Phil Schaff. And I'm Phil Hornder. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.